Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you all today. To be with all of you, what a blessing it was to worship the Lord, remember the Lord. Uh, it never gets old, amen? Never gets old, never becomes old hat, and uh, we can praise the Lord for that. So uh, would you take your Bibles, please, and we're going to resume our study in Proverbs, which we began, um, I was going to say a couple weeks ago, maybe it's a few weeks ago now, um, and we'd like to start by reading Proverbs 3, 1 through 12, Proverbs 3, 1 through 12. I sent you an email, some of you, or hopefully all of you got it, an email, uh, or most of you, except for our visitors. And by the way, welcome visitors, glad you're here today. Um, But sent an email asking you to read Proverbs 1 and 2, just to give you context, and I'll explain that in a moment. Um, But real quick, Proverbs 3, 1 to 12 says this, and then we'll pray. My son, do not forget my teaching. But let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord from your wealth and do not, excuse me, and from the first of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father, the son in whom he delights. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We pray that as we resume this study that you would bless us today. Uh, We trust your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts and to glorify the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Well, as we began Proverbs chapter 3 last time, the last time we met, um, today we want to uh, uh, continue that. We kind of didn't, if you think back to the very beginning, we did an overview of the entire book of Proverbs, and then we did a quick overview of Proverbs 3, 1 to 12. And, and what we're talking about is we want to we continue it to learn and understand the do's and don'ts and rewards that are talked about in Proverbs 3, 1 to 12. They are the do's, don'ts, and rewards of God's wisdom or of wisdom's teaching. And that's why we're calling the study Remembering the Teachings and Commandments of God's Wisdom. And I told you last time that the teachings and commandments are all based on, they flow out of the Lord our God, who is, of course, all-wise, all-knowing, and he desires his very best for his children, us, his sons and daughters, those who believe in him. Uh, And so these are for our eternal good. And keep in mind, the reason I had you read Proverbs 1 and 2 again, keep in mind that chapter 3 uh, is in the context of what has been said in chapters 1 and 2. In other words, that's the outflow uh, of what is talked about there. It's the natural outflow of, of that. In other words, it's, chapter 3 is to be the outgrowth, the experience, the practice, if you will, of what you learn in chapters 1 and 2. Okay, it's kind of like Ephesians. You know this. You studied Ephesians. Chapters one to three is doctrine. Uh, Chapters four to six is duty uh, or position. Chapters one to three and then four to six practice. That's kind of what you have here. It's the application of Solomon of this father to his son. It's the application of what he's taught him so far in chapters one and two. 
So the person, it's, it's really talking about those who have received and come to possess God's wisdom. This is one who has understanding and discernment and the knowledge of God. Uh, they have discretion. They know the Lord. They have the fear of the Lord. In other words, this is a saved person. Okay, This is a believer. Uh, and so, therefore, chapter 3 is this preacher's, the preacher's application of his teachings uh, as we said, just like Ephesians could say the same thing about Romans. Romans 1 to 11 is the doctrine of salvation, justification by faith. And then Romans 12 through 16 is the practice, the duty, uh, and the application of those teachings. Now, with that in mind, I want to start off with this question. You're going to say, I've never heard this question before. I don't think you've ever heard this question before. What does this auto part have to do with the book of Proverbs and the Christian's life. Okay, have you ever had that question before, Lanny? You ever heard that one? Okay, I didn't think so. This is what is known as an ECU, an engine control unit, or an ECM, an engine control module. It is the brain of your car or your truck. It's a computer. And virtually, well, I won't say everything, but many, many things are connected uh, and run by this thing in terms of your engine, your car, and all of that. By way of electronic sensors and computer chips, wires, integrated circuits, circuits uh, they control the major functions of your vehicle. Things like your fuel pump, your carburation, uh, the spark of your engine, the timing, um, all kinds of stuff. Transmission, your cruise control, the engine idle speed, emissions controls. And I'm sure that's much more than you really wanted to know. But that is in every car. And you pull that out and nothing works, okay? In fact, I had one go bad on a pickup truck I had, that I, an old pickup truck I had, and I had to have it replaced uh, because it, it wouldn't run without that working. Um, so this ECM, engine control module, it's really a sophisticated computer shrunk down it's got many of the parts that you would have in your home computer or, or your work computer, uh, except it's much smaller. Uh, it's composed of hardware, and then it's encoded with software that tells numerous systems in the car or truck what to do, how to run, etc. Um, and that software will only tell your car what to do uh, in terms of uh, what the programming information tells it to do, right? And of course, in everyday living, we don't even think about this stuff. You just hop in the car, start the car, and you're off and running, uh, hopefully, if the car's working right. Um, but the behavior and the actions of your car are in a multitude of ways controlled by this ECM. So back to our question, uh, what does this thing have to do with Proverbs, right? Um, with the Christian life. Well, the book of Proverbs speaks much of the heart. And that part is really the heart of your vehicle. But there's something in human beings called the heart. And we're going to talk about that just for a few minutes to introduce our, our study again today. Uh, biblically speaking, the human being's heart is one's HCM, the human control module. Okay. Uh, and Whatever goes into your heart, whatever is programmed into your heart, that's really what determines your attitudes, your behavior, your actions, your reactions, your responses, and that kind of thing. It's that which controls everything in our lives, the human heart. And we're not talking about the, the pump in the center of your chest. The human heart that God has created and given us, it controls our feelings Actions, reactions, responses to various situations, our behavior, our thinking, our, our emotions, all, all of those things. But it's far more complex than an ECM. That, that little box that I showed you on the picture, that's just a piece of metal with a bunch of chips in it and wires and sensors and that sort of thing. It's, it's, we could say it's complicated to us, but I'll tell you what, the human heart is much more complicated than that ECM. Uh, and so the human heart serves to control, again, everything about us. Uh, emotions, responses, thinking, behavior, attitudes, action, actions. Um, and it's important that we understand this. And it's interesting, I think, and you know this, 
that the human heart, the physical, uh, excuse me, the human heart, the non-physical part, not, not your pump inside you, uh, the human heart affects the body, doesn't it? It affects even the human heart, the, the pump, it, in terms of heart attacks, heart palpitations, heart malfunctions, physical problems. All of that can be related to a person's non-physical heart or human control unit, as I call it. Uh, and God's word makes that clear. Proverbs 4.23, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs or issues of life. In other words, from your heart and all that it contains flow or spring forth what you do in life in terms of your attitudes and actions and behavior, your speech, your feelings, your choices, your everything. Uh, and in many ways, the human heart is totally different from that ECM, obviously. Uh, the human heart is, is non-physical, non-material, immaterial, uh, the pump inside our bodies is a physical pump. And when it goes bad, then we have problems. And I kind of know a little bit about that. But in this way, they are similar. The human heart, the immaterial one, and the physical heart, they're similar in this sense. They both control. Now let me back up, because I don't want to confuse you. I think I'm confusing myself. Let's compare the human heart and that ECM, the heart of your engine, okay, they, they both are similar in the sense that they both control. Uh, both control either the vehicle or the man in accord with how they have been programmed. And Andy would know all about that, the programming and software and all that in terms of the ECM. Um, but the point is this, the input of information into humans' hearts, uh, hum the, the hearts of human beings, it dictates how they operate, how they function, how they behave. Um, and so part of watching over your heart with all diligence means being very careful about what you put into your heart, right? What you put into your heart. Uh, this, of course, reminds us of Psalm 119, 9 to 12, which says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my what? With all my heart. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured, hoarded, stored up in my heart that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. And again, you know, computer programmers write programs. Uh, and that's what they put into these ECMs for your car. Um, Andy can tell you all about that, as I said. But as believers, the programming language is what for us? S-C-R-I-P-T-U-R-E, scripture, right? That's the programming language for human beings. Uh, and that's why I often encourage parents to be ever so careful. Be ever so careful uh, about what you allow your children to read and watch and listen to etc. when it comes to the various media of our world because those hearts of your children they're like sponges they soak up all the information and data and programming from this world system and as you think about it they are continually being programmed for all of their future behavior therefore the way they think and feel and choose and behave in the days and the weeks and months and years to come will be in accord with what's been programmed into their little hearts or their teenage hearts or their adult hearts. It all works the same for all of us. Amen? It all works the same. Those HCMs, those human control modules. Um, this is an extreme example, but it's no accident that usually these school shooters who kill multitudes sometimes. And you know that's happened down here in Florida for in one case. Um, when you think about that, they are those who have either spent hours playing violent video games, reading violent books, or watching countless hours of violent 
crimes and movies and TV uh, shows and on television simply put they and others have programmed their hearts to behave that way you know in so many ways they program themselves to do that the same is true of young people who get involved in promiscuous or premarital sex um, it's it's absolutely true listen to this quote and uh, we'll try and I forget Lanny when am I supposed to wrap this up am I Five minutes ago. I started five minutes late, did I not? I didn't? Okay. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to share this quote with you. It's so important. Uh, this commentator said this, In a day when the commands of God's word are despised and mocked, uh, pastors, teachers, and parents must uphold them without wavering. Pastors and teachers need to preach and teach God's standards of purity on a regular basis. They should warn their people of the dangers of disobeying God and giving in to the pressures of society and its endless stream of temptation. They need to diligently teach their people how to protect themselves from falling into the clutches of immorality. Even more important, we as parents need to instruct our children faithfully in the principles of God's word. The promotion and suggestion of sex is everywhere in our modern societies. For all practical purposes, it is impossible to avoid it. Fornication and adultery dominate every entertainment medium. Movies, television, and the internet, music, books, and magazines, even advertisements. This flaunting of unrestrained sexual expression has resulted in children in children's experimenting with sex at earlier and earlier ages. We parents and guardians need to create an atmosphere that makes our children comfortable uh, in asking us questions. In return, we need to be prepared to give honest and age-appropriate answers to those questions. Most children already know more about sex than any of us parents realize. Therefore, as mothers and fathers, we must continually instill in our children's minds the scriptural truth that all forms of sexual activity are to be exercised only within the within God's boundary of marriage. In a world that pushes safe sex to young people, We as believers need to repeatedly remind our children that abstinence is God's way. In addition, we have to be fully alert to the dangers that threaten our children. As diligent, loving parents, we need to monitor our children's activities, associations, computers, and communication devices. We cannot allow the filth of the world to invade our homes, and corrupt our families' minds through sinful television programs, movies, music, and other forms of ungodly entertainment. Please keep that in mind as we talk about, and we'll get into it here in in a little bit, Proverbs, God's wisdom, and the importance of what goes into the human heart. Amen? Father, thank you. Just guide us in our study to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. We're having this time to return the remainder of our meeting, our ministry time, over to our brother Mike Fitzhugh. To be honest, I didn't sleep real well last night, so I'm going to pray again, okay? <laughs> and ask for the Lord's extra help here. Father, thank you for your, day, your uh, love for us. Thank you for this day. And I just pray for... Uh, Extra help from your Holy Spirit today as I proclaim your word, as we study it together in Proverbs here. And uh, we know that your strength is perfected in weakness. So Lord, whatever you have planned for today, we, we just trust you to do it and to do it according to your will and for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Well, back to Proverbs. And um, we were talking about that ECM and the human heart and uh, Brother Dennis said he was glad, uh, you don't mind me sharing this, do you? He, he said, I'm glad it was our creator who created uh, the human heart, right? And, um, uh, and, and not man. But I would say this, that we need to keep in mind 
as we, we look at Proverbs, the wisdom of Proverbs, and these do's and don'ts that we learn, uh, we need to keep in mind that whether you're talking about you know, all those rotten things I had to read about, sex and murder or violence or any other sin, the, the human heart is already programmed at birth with all those things in it, right? I mean, we've inherited that from Adam. And uh, you know these verses, but I'll share a few. The Lord Jesus said in Mark 7, That which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. And of course, we know that Jeremiah says in 17, 9 and 10, the heart is more deceitful than all else. It's desperately sick or wicked. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. And this is why our hearts and our minds need to be renewed. In the, in the language of Romans 12, um, we need to be transformed inside by the renewing of our minds, right? Um, Romans 12, 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Uh, so for all of us, both adults and children, this should greatly affect, and that was my whole point with that long quote, it should greatly affect our choices and decisions regarding entertainment, music, education, reading, friendships, social activities, what we spend our time doing, where we go, who we spend our time with, all of those things. And that's why uh, good parents are very concerned about those things for their for their kids because they know uh, that those children are so vulnerable and their hearts are, are wide open. Um, in all of those realms, adults and children in some way, shape, or form are programming their hearts. Uh, and it's so important that we keep that in mind. Um, Again, Proverbs 4 says we are to watch over our hearts with all diligence, for from our hearts flow the springs of life, the issues of life. Uh, as a man thinks within his what? His heart, so is he. Uh, Proverbs 23, 7. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I was talking to a school teacher recently and uh, they were saying the language they hear in school from these kids, these little kids, right? Why? It's in their hearts. It's in their minds. They've been programmed by hearing it, by example, by uh, all of those ways. Um, Proverbs ten eleven tells us that the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals Violence, And again, this is because of the evil that fills the heart, that HCM, that human control module. Uh, usually when I talk about the heart, I just call it the control center of man. The heart is the control center of man. Uh, and it can be programmed, it can be influenced, it can be informed, uh, both in a good way and a bad way. So, as we get back to Proverbs chapter 3 today, we want to look at the specific verses in chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, and we read those earlier, and we want to look at the don'ts and the do's and the rewards that we mentioned last time, uh, again in verses 1 through 12. And let me just say it this way. You know the book of Proverbs is all about God's wisdom, right? It's all about God's wisdom. And God's wisdom says, hey, there's some things you do, do. And there's some things you should not do that you don't do, right? Uh, that's wisdom. That's the opposite of foolishness. And that's what we're going to be learning about. Uh, so our, specifically, our aim and our goal is this. It's to learn, understand, and hopefully remember the do's, don'ts, and rewards of God's teaching, of God's wisdom. Um, First in chapter 3, and I'm just going to, we're going to bring you up to speed here in terms of your outline and, and the handout if you choose to use it. Uh, 
First, we see in verse 1 the command, the don't, do not forget wisdom's teaching, but keep or obey her commandments. The don't, do not forget wisdom's teaching. And the negative comes first. Uh, Wisdom says, Solomon says, my son, do not. Uh, And by the way, just so we understand, in Jewish thinking, when this term my son is used, especially in Proverbs, it it refers to the son, it refers to the grandson, the great-grandson, and all the sons on down the line, okay? That's how the Jews thought. They were, this is for sons, really. Therefore, it's for us as his sons and daughters, uh, the Lord's sons and daughters, this wisdom. Don't forget it, he says. Do not forget wisdom's teaching. Um, and also, we, we need to understand that he was saying we're not to forget his father's teaching. Literally, he used the word Torah, which referred to the law. Uh, His law, meaning God's word and law. God's word, God's law, those are synonymous terms, especially in terms of the Old Testament. When it referred to the law, it referred to God's word. And we understand that. We even use it that way today. And when one does forget it, it is willful forgetfulness of one's heart, not merely the failing of the memory. We're not just talking about, oh, I forgot. I tell my wife that all the time. Oh, I forgot. Right, men? We understand that. Okay. They don't want to admit it, but that's all right. Um, it's, that's not what this is. This is willful, intentional forgetting and disobeying. In other words, it's really equal with uh, diso- to forget is to disobey. Uh, Moses, through Moses, the Lord said, told Israel in Deuteronomy 8.11, Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. And then verse 19, he said, It shall, it shall come about if you ever forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify against you today that you will surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so you shall perish because you would not listen to the voice of the Lord your God. So that's a sober warning, I think, even to us in the New Testament age. Uh, But also notice the do. Wisdom also says, let your heart keep or obey her commandments, wisdom's commandments. Um, This is the positive. And these are not merely Solomon's or wisdom's Uh, opinions or great ideas about life. No, but these are commandments. They have the full authority of heaven itself, of God himself. And notice that we have that word heart again. Here the word says, let your heart keep or obey her commandments. Um, The word keep, interesting, literally means to guard or to preserve securely. Sometimes we talk about keeping something under lock and key. We keep it under lock and key. What does that mean? We're protecting it. We're guarding it. We're we're making it secure. That's the idea here. And so we're to keep God's word and commandments secure, locked up, preserved in one's heart, that control center of man. Why? Because they are a valuable commodity indeed. Amen? The word of God, the truths of God. And when your heart is right and when your heart has kept and preserved God's word and commandments within you, then you end up obeying them. They got to be there before you can obey them. They need to be in your heart. Uh, Again, I'll always take us back to Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you because you want them in your heart. You want the word, the, the truths, the commands in your heart. Uh, why? Again, because they're in your heart. They are what influence and produce, dictate and determine your attitudes and your actions. My attitudes, my actions. That's what does it. That's what does it. God's word and truth are to program us, if you will. Uh, however, there's obviously a huge difference between a human being and a computer, like we were talking about earlier, namely that humans are flesh and blood. They're comprised of body, soul, and spirit, which includes the mind, emotions, and the will, right? And whereas a computer being a machine can only do what it is programmed to do, told to do via 
computer language, human beings have a choice to obey or disobey, don't we? And we make that choice every moment almost, every day. Uh, We have a choice to obey or disobey. Again, all of the issues of life spring forth or flow from one's heart, Proverbs 4, 23. And this is why the father here instructs his son to keep or lock God's commandments in his heart. Keep them there. Keep them secure. Protect them there. And and the heart, again, understand this, the heart includes the mind and the memory. It includes the mind and the memory. We're not to forget them. So this is absolutely crucial because everything else in life that flows from them uh, as they are guarded and, and preserved in one's heart. And this is why we're commanded, again, in the New Testament to just saturate our minds and our hearts with the word of Christ, the word of God. Now, we know that with obedience comes blessings. Would you agree with that? It is true. Even in the New Testament age, with obedience, there is blessing and even rewards. Um, Obedience opens the floodgates of blessings and rewards for, for the Bible really says they'll be poured out upon us. We'll be showered with those. Um, Some people today falsely teach that to say that denies grace or it promotes uh, a performance-based salvation or Christian life. But that's just not true. There is great reward in serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Not only reward, but there's fulfillment, there's joy. There's great reward in serving the Lord Jesus Christ and in obeying him. Even the Lord Jesus taught that. We have a heavenly father who rewards his children for obedience in various ways. It might have to do with giving. It might have to do with fasting. It might have to do with prayer. I'm talking about Matthew chapter 6 where he taught that. Where he said when you do those things in the proper way without being seen by men... There is great reward, the Lord said. The question is, what is the nature of those blessings and of that reward? That's what we find here in Proverbs 3. Uh, We see the first mention of the reward, and that is in verse 2, long life and peace. In other words, prolonged life. Uh, This reward is mentioned throughout Proverbs in Proverbs 3.16, it says of wisdom that long life is in her right hand, in her left hand are riches and honor. In Proverbs 4.10, it says, hear my son and accept my sayings and the years of your life will be what? Many, right? Uh, Proverbs 9.11 says, for by me, wisdom, your days will be multiplied and years of life will be added to you. And then Proverbs 10.27 says that the fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. Practically speaking, let's get real practical here. Practically speaking, the shortened lives of the wicked, of unsaved people, of unbelievers, are often due to their sinful lifestyles, right? I mean, that's just true. Galatians says, uh, whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So often the shortened lives of the wicked are the natural consequences of the choices they make in life and the, the lifestyles, they, the sinful lifestyles they choose to live. Uh, that could be death due to various diseases and sicknesses brought on by immoral living, uh, sexual sin, um, sexually transmitted diseases, all of those kinds of things. It could be death brought on by too much eating, gluttony, smoking, drinking, drug abuse, partying. Uh, Life is often shortened because of the lifestyles and the habits that people choose to involve themselves with. Uh, And Proverbs is saying when you know the Lord and you have the fear of the Lord and you know him, you have the knowledge of God and his wisdom and discretion and discernment and all those key words in Proverbs, uh, it makes for a different lifestyle. And then the, the results tend to be different too and tend to be much more positive. Um, let me be quick to say though that 
longevity, that's what this is talking about, is a sign of God's blessing and reward. Exodus 20, 12, you've read it before, that those who, tells us that those who obey and honor their parents are promised long life. Young people, uh, that's an important one to remember. And we should preach that to all young people. Amen? Um, because it's, it's absolutely true. That's Ephesians 6, 1 to 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you. That's part of it. You're going to have blessings. And that you may live long on the earth. You see, often those who rebel, and I know all about rebellion having been a super rebellious kid and teenager, and thankfully God, by his grace and mercy, saved me at age 17 before I totally went off the deep end. Um, But those who rebel, they're the ones that get themselves in trouble. They rebel against and disobey their parents. They often end up living lifestyle lifestyles that shorten their lives. And we've all known people like that, have we not? Uh, Things, you know, I I think of this, though. Uh, We still need to consider the truth that there are other factors in the equation of life that, that make for exceptions to this general rule. Remember when we introduced Proverbs, we said Proverbs... Uh, are generally true, but there are exceptions here and there. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he shall not depart from it. Well, generally that's true, and generally it works that way. But there are exceptions, because you get some, some kids like I was when I was a teen and who totally reject uh, or rebel against what their parents say, uh, unless God steps in and intervenes and saves the person. Um, but let me, let me talk about those exceptions just for a minute as to what some factors might be uh, that result in these general exceptions. Because what I'm saying is sometimes there are, young, there are young people who live godly lives and die young, right? It's not a guarantee that everybody's going to live a long life. God may have a different plan. So the, the other factors we should consider are things like God's sovereign will, his providence, his special plans and purposes for each individual or for nations or for the world. Um, we should also consider the fact that we live in a sinful, dangerous, and fallen world. And so accidents happen and diseases come about. Some of you have lost relatives to COVID. We lost an elder in our assembly to COVID just a couple of months ago. Uh, Sometimes that happens to godly people. Things happen. Um, Viruses kill people, diseases, wars sometimes take out thousands or even millions. But we can rest in the fact that the Bible says the judge of the earth shall do right. Right? That's Genesis 18.25. The judge of the earth will always do that which is right. Now, again, as a general rule, those who fear and obey and honor God and their parents, they live longer. But sometimes there are are, uh, people who die young. I'm just going to give you some quick examples. You probably know most of these folks or know of them. Robert Murray McShane. Heard of him? Great Scottish preacher. Um, Died at age 29, yet his life has affected millions of people over the years. Henry Martin, the famed missionary to India, was a preacher and a Bible translator. Preached the gospel in India, translated the New Testament into numerous languages. He died at age 31. The well-known hymn writer Augustus Toplady, he died at age 38. Uh, David Brainerd, Brainerd. Uh, died at age 29. He's known for his missionary work to the American Indians in the north, uh, northeast of United States. Eric Liddell, you know, he died at age 43, best known probably because of the 1981 film Chariots of Fire, which featured his life as an uh, Olympic runner. Jim Elliott, the, one of the missionaries that died uh, ministering to the Aka Indians, he died at age 29. Keith Green, a little more contemporary one, a singer, evangelist, uh, songwriter. Um, 
He impacted thousands of young people in his short life. He and his wife wrote the little song, There is a Redeemer. Uh, he died at age 28, was born the same year I was, 1953. So, you know, a lot of godly people die, tend to die young and in God's purpose. Um, and sometimes it's a conundrum for us as believers, as some faithful and godly believers die very young. But one author put it into perspective, I think, and he said this. And the author was anonymous, so I'd tell you who he was. He was anonymous, so that's all I can tell you. Uh, uh, he was speaking of Proverbs 3.2 here, and he said, quote, Like all the Proverbs, this is a general principle rather than a guaranteed promise. Everybody knows an exception to this rule. A faithful and obedient believer who died at a young age due to an accident or tragic disease. However, when this principle is extended beyond this mortal life, it can be claimed as a promise. True life, eternal life, begins when an individual trusts Christ. In this sense, the location is irrelevant. Whether God chooses earth or heaven, life is long for those who fear him. End quote. I think that really helps explain it to me, puts it in perspective. Uh, in other words, whether the believer who fears God and honors and obeys him spends that promised long life here on earth or in heaven, the promise still is fulfilled, right? The promise is still true, proves to be true, long life. Uh, because guess what? Eternity is a long, long time. Amen? It's really true. Of course, when we come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, we... Um, we have peace with God. And what we want to see here is that this promise for not forgetting his teaching, for keeping God's commandments, is not only long life, but also peace, he says. Shalom in the Hebrew. And again, when we get saved, we come to have peace with God. Peace with God. We have the peace of God. And you know that from Romans 5. Uh, 1 and 2 talks about the fact that being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, etc. I'm not going to read the entire passage at the moment, but I, I, I'm going to emphasize this one. Ephesians 2, 12 to 19, Paul said, Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our what? Our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by it having put to death the enmity and he came and he preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near for through him we both have our access in one spirit to the father so then you are no longer strangers and aliens but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's Household. Guess what? We are all members of God's forever family. Amen? And we have peace. Peace of God, peace with God. Now, this peace, I would say this, it's not only judicially and positionally and theologically true, but it's experientially true. And if it's not experienced by a believer, then something's out of whack because God says it is. That we have it, that we possess it. In fact, it's part of the fruit of the Spirit, is it not? Yeah, peace. It's experientially true. When I lay my head on the pillow at night, I don't worry one whit. If I die in my sleep, where am I going to go? If I don't die in my sleep, great, I'll have another day tomorrow. But I'm at peace. I'm not worried about it, right? 
Because of the Lord Jesus. Because if I do die, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And what better place to wake up? Now, I have a hard time. My wife's a morning person. I'm not a morning person. You know, I like to get my, my, uh, my tea and my banana and my Bible and quiet time and take a couple hours to wake up. I pray during that time too. But <laughs> okay. Um, but, you know, she's a morning person. I, I'm just not that. So uh, the fact that, that I can go to bed at night and even if I wake up groggy, either way, I'm at peace about it. I have that peace of the Lord. Um, it's so important. Uh, now, I want to define this real quick and give you a couple of definitions. When it comes to this peace, various biblical scholars uh, define it in different ways. Uh, one says that it means wholeness, health, and harmony. That's kind of vague, but I can understand why they said that. Another says it means well-being and the internal Condition of being at rest, contented, or fulfilled. The state of blessedness one can expect when he lives his life within God's created design. And I like that one. I like them all, but that's a good one, isn't it? That really makes sense. Now contrast this, or contrast that, with a person who does not fear God, love God, keep and guard God's commandments doesn't know the Lord, such people often live what kind of lives? Fear, anxiety, right? A lack of peace, uh, depression. They fear sickness, disease, and death, knowing that one day they will face God's judgment. And often, and you know people like this, they are bitter, they're hateful, they're unhappy, joyless people. And often such bitterness and joylessness uh, that lack of peace, it causes serious physical and emotional problems. And again, we've all known people like that. And that results in a shortened lifespan, often, just because of the physical problems caused by that. I'm going to give you a quick illustration. Sadly, just a couple of months ago, I, made, uh, I was made aware of just such a person they were a childhood friend, a childhood neighbor of mine. We grew up together. We played every summer, play, you know, played baseball together, basketball together. We played every sport there is in my neighborhood. And uh, I, I played with this kid. I fought with this kid, you know, a uh, kid I grew up with. His name was Tom. He was a Vietnam veteran. He had lost a son uh, in his adult life due to a drug overdose by the son. Tom had a bad heart. He had had a stroke. He had diabetes. He had numerous and other medical problems. And finally, this past October, he died uh, of actually, well, probably a combination of all those ailments, but the main thing was lung cancer after many years of smoking, you know, and drinking and drugs. He did, did the whole deal, you know, going to Vietnam, they get involved in that stuff over there, and he, he did that. Um, worst of all, he had a heart problem, and I mean a spiritual heart problem. He didn't know the Lord. He didn't care to know the Lord. Um, he was bitter at God. He did not fear him. He didn't know the Lord at all. And so at 69 years of age, he died. A year, he was a year older than I am. That's just one simple example and sad example. How very sad. But may I say to each of you that, as we can see from Proverbs 3, it doesn't have to be that way. Amen? It doesn't have to be that way. If you never have before, you can repent of your sin. And I'm encouraging you to do all these things. You can repent of your sin, turn away from your sin, and in faith you can receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You can believe that Jesus is God's son, that he died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins, uh, that he died and was buried and three days later rose from the dead. We're going to be celebrating that not too long from now uh, at Easter time in April. You can be born again. You can become a brand new person. And you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that when you die, whenever that is and however that is, that you will go to heaven to be with the Lord. 
That's what I came to know when I was 17 years old. And you can also have that peace where you're no longer at war with God. You don't have to experience the bitterness and the pain and the fear and the anger and all the things that my friend Tom experienced. Uh, But you can have the peace of God. You can be at peace with God. And you can have that contentment in life. All of those wonderful things and much more, actually. Uh, Including knowing that you have total, 100%, uh, complete forgiveness of sins. Amen? I mean, that's what the God... Folks, this is what the good news is. The gospel. This is good news. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And you'll receive all those things that I mentioned. So it's a wonderful thing. Please... If you never have before, and I'm just thinking, if there's even one person in the room today, and you've never done that before, then do it today. Believe. Turn away from your sin. Put your trust in Christ alone, believing that he died for you on the cross, he was buried, and he rose again from the dead, and then be willing to receive him and confess him as absolute Lord of your life. And he says he'll save you. He says he'll give you eternal life. I pray that you'll do that if you never have before. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for the peace that we have in Christ. We thank you for the commandments that we can treasure in our hearts and guard and and lock up in our hearts and minds. We thank you that they guide our lives, they direct our lives, your, your precious word. And uh, even your word, Lord, uh, presents to us salvation. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We thank you for that good news. Thank you for that peace and that forgiveness and eternal life. Oh, Lord, if we've grown accustomed to it or taken it for granted, help us to be revived in our hearts and our spirits. Help us to be burdened for the lost and help us to be ever ever grateful and in a fresh way grateful for you saving our souls and making us new creatures in Christ. And we'll give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Lord bless you.